TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 489, and I am Libby, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. This is Tom, and I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hey, this is Peter. I live in West Hollywood, and I write for whysoblue.com. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, I have that Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto are to star in a show called We Crashed at Apple. And it's basically a bunch of terrible people starting a startup team and watching their narcissism make the company fail. I don't know. I don't like Jared Leto, so ugh. Yeah, same here. Uh, I've liked him in a few performances, but just knowing he's starring in something is not a pull for me. Yeah, no. Uh, Wonder Years is getting a reboot ABC pilot, which, I mean, who asked for the Wonder Years reboot? Was that you, Tom? It's it's a black cast, though, and Fred Savage is executive producing, so it could be not bad. Yeah, I'm tired of reboots. Speaking of reboots, uh, no, this actually isn't a Oh, yeah, speaking of reboots, Kate and Allie reboot gets a put pilot at NBC. Now, question, what is a put pilot, Tom? Put pilot means they are going to make it, and if they don't, they have to pay a huge kill fee to certain people. Okie dokie. But uh, did anybody watch Kate and Allie, the original? I did. It was fun. Eh, I didn't even watch it, so I was like, they're rebooting it? Was it a show? Jane Kirk the most famous person who, who shares my birthday so i've followed her career since snl <laughs> <laughs> all right uh sarah gilbert and leland osser and larique bent are cast in verbatim the show verbatim pilot at hbo max and i was like hbo max is doing pilots now like i thought they were most of the streaming service is just buying shows to series so i was really surprised that they were doing a pilot um, on My Block has been renewed for a final season at Netflix. And the most bizarre news is that CBC, which is a Canadian network, has canceled Trickster um, after season one due to a scandal with the director. And let me tell you, explain the scandal really quick, which is that Trickster is about uh, a bunch of Aboriginal people, and it's their story. And they were touting that it was written by, you know, Aboriginal people, the books or whatever. So it's like they had Aboriginal cast and they had Aboriginal people uh, behind the scenes. And so that was like part, and it was got all this critical acclaim. Everybody said it was an amazing show. And then the scandal is the director slash producer lied and was not really Aboriginal. And so when that scandal came out, the network was like, Okay, now what we they were in the middle of producing season two, like writing the scripts and stuff, and they had started production, and then this all came out, and the network decided to cancel the show instead of dealing with the scandal of the director producer lying about being an Aboriginal. That's 
ridiculous. It's so, well, it's, well, why did you lie? I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous on every level. I mean, first of all, like you said, why lie? It's dumb. But second, if that's the only problem, either just replace him or add another executive producer who is Aboriginal, and the problem is solved. If it's really such a, a hit TV show, I frankly have never heard of it before, but if it's so it's great... Canadian, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I assume it's doing great in Canada. And if yeah. it is, why... why Every, no, everybody's out of a job. Yeah. It's I don't, just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I don't... I, I get... The idea that the scandal caused made everybody look like they had, you know, egg in, on their face and stuff. Like, I get that. But, yeah, your solution's way better. Like, fire that. Well, clearly I should be working up Right. There, so. so I was like, fire that producer slash director because they lied. So they should lose their job. That person should lose their job. Mm-hmm. But. Not everybody. But not everybody. Like, that's insane. And it got all this a critical acclaim. Like, obviously it's a good show. What are you doing? And I think it's based on a set of books. So you have like a roadmap. Anyway, show got canceled. That's all I can say. Um, Next piece of news I have is that Joel Kinnaman, who I love, uh, has boarded in treatment reboot at HBO. Oh, cool. Peter, well, well, Tom, well, then you've seen in treatment. I've never seen in treatment. Is it worth watching? First season was awesome. Gabriel Byrne was a shrink and it was stripped our HBO aired half hour episodes five days a week. So each day was a new appointment. Okay. And so the same, so on Tuesdays, it would be Blair Tuesday, Blair Underwood had an appointment with Gabriel Byrne. And then if somebody skips an appointment, they don't air a new episode that night. Or when a character dies, the dad shows up the following week. It was great. And then season two, they screwed it up by, oh, we'll air a bunch of them at one time. And, you know, mm-hmm. but Uzo Adubo is playing the therapist, so he might be one of the patients. Uh, okay, oh. cool. I like him, That's... though. Because I couldn't good. see him as a therapist. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, Tom, do you have news? What do you oh, got? good Lord, I've got a lot. Uh, overall, thanks to COVID, scripted shows have last year dipped uh, well, below here, 500. Here's the thing. I feel like that's not news. That's common sense. Of course the scripted, you know, I was out of work for seven months. Can I finish saying the news? They they, uh, dipped below 500, so they declined 7% to 493, which still isn't bad, considering it was a freaking pandemic. Uh, Amazon, Nicole Kidman will star and executive produce a series adaptation of Maria Sodal's award-winning film, Hope. Apple TV Plus has won a virtual Sundance bidding war, for Coda, they paid $25 million for it. Taron Edgerton is going to star in a limited series adaptation of In With the Devil. Uh, Disney Plus dropped a trailer for the Mighty, Buck, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and it will premiere March 26th. Freeform has announced that The Bold Type will have a fifth and final season. HBO has hired Philippa Goslett as the new showrunner for The Nevers. HBO... Ne- Max announced. Wait, 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 back that up. Who's the showrunner for the Nevers? The new showrunner is Philippa Goslett. Do we know who that is? Uh, I didn't look up her bio, but obviously she's done something for them to give her (laughs) Sweden's movies. All right. She's anyone who isn't Josh Sweden. Yeah, anybody who's not Josh Sweden. Um, HBO Max announced that activations doubled to 17.2 million in quarter four 
So HBO and HBO Max combined in the U.S. have 41.5 million subscribers, to which Disney Plus is like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> uh, WW84 blew away everything else Christmas week, according to Nielsen. 2.3 million minutes of viewing Christmas week alone. Justice League, the Snyder Cut, will premiere on March 18. Jamie Yawn. Dornan. And... I'm still on HBO Max. I know. I'm just yawning, ja that's all. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jamie Dornan and Hugo Weaving have been cast in the limited series The Tourist. HBO Max acquired several things from Madrid-based MediaPro. The two big ones were The Head, a six-part murder mystery set at the South Pole, and Is There No Place on Earth for Me, a five-part English-language adaptation of an 82 uh, Pulitzer-winning reportage and by that the, adaptation. By the way, I watched the trailer for The Head. It's The Thing. They just called it The Head. It's like the the trailer is a bunch of people go to the pole. They have thirty days of night. Everybody leaves. They leave a team there. And when they come back, everyone's dead but like one person. And they were like, "Is it a murder mystery? Is there something? It's not nature. It's something else that's come." I was like, "It's the thing. Like <laughs> I've seen this already." But continue. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, is there no place on earth for me, which is going to be adapted by playwright Will Arno and directed by John Turturro? Hulu has announced that Shrill will end with season three, and they're also going to share Modern Family streaming rights with Peacock, which is interesting because Hulu is um, majority controlled by by Disney, but I guess Peacock is giving them some money. NBC announced Blacklist has been picked up for season nine. <laughs> And Dylan McDermott will star opposite Christopher Maloney in Law and Order Organized Crime. Um, Netflix. Bridgerton is the biggest Netflix series ever. 84 million households. However, I will, I, I will say this. Lupin got 70 million. So it's not sleeping. Okay. No, they're both they all, doing really well. And they, they're both good. They deserve it. They've greenlit animated series based on Tomb Raider and Kong Skull Island. The Sandman series has cast Tom Sturridge as Morpheus, Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, and Charles Dance as Roderick Burgess. Oh, Charles Dance and Gwendolyn Christie have a reunification. I like it. Reunion. Reunion. The Witcher Blood Origin prequel series has cast Jodie Turner-Smith in a major role. Omari Hardwick, Jessica Braden, David Winham, and Joe Dempsey will join Tony Collette and Bella Heathcote in pieces of her. And finally, for Netflix, Noah Baumbach has signed a multi-year feature deal. Paramount Plus is going to stream the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, March 4th, while it's also playing uh, video on demand and pay-per-view. Because that's going to really launch people to buy Paramount Plus. And oh. Army Hammer has been uncast from The Offer, the series about the making of The Godfather, considering all his weird social media issues. <laughs> and, and finally, uh, George Clooney's Smokehouse Pictures will produce a Buck Rogers limited series for Legendary. I did hear about the Buck Rogers. Yeah. Uh, wait, didn't, yeah, is George Clooney going to be in it or just producing it? They have not announced he's been cast, just producing Okay. I am kind of interested in that because, you know, they've done so many stabs at that. And I'm wondering if are they going to try to, you know, update it for, for a modern audience again? Or are they going to go back to its roots and do, you know, kind of camp style? 
I hope they do it more seriously. Considering, consider going back to the origins from the from the uh, from actually the the novel from the early like nineteen thirties. Mm-hmm. Armageddon twenty one forty nine or something like that. Yeah, and then the serial they started doing the serials with Mister um, Crab. Mister Crab, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of a fan of just the campy old black and white <laughs> serials. I really am. So I, I kind of have, you know, I would enjoy if they actually did something like that too. So I'm curious either way. All right, let's get started with the shows. First up, we're gonna talk the rookie. And uh, this episode, they're continuing the arc of the rookie dealing with uh, police violence and systematic racism. And they've introduced, uh, what is this? Brandon Ralph is just a terrible person on this show, which is so like kind of counterintuitive that they would cast him that way. But, oh man, you just want to punch him in the face. He is such a terrible guy. And this week's episode is they have, oh God, what is his name? The rookie Jackson. They have him sort of going undercover to get information to prove that Brandon Ralph's character is a dirty cop uh, or abusive cop. And it goes very badly, very quickly. Peter, what are your thoughts? I thought it was really good. I I mean, like I've said this whole time, I think the rookie... They've really stepped up. Like everything that's happening in the world, they have, or, or things that are happening in the world, they have uh, really stepped up as a show, especially a show, you know, about um, Los Angeles police officers. And, uh, and Brandon Routh uh, continues to impress me. You know, what started off as, um, you know, clever casting, because it's like, oh, he's always so nice and stuff. He's actually, there's a lot of like, there's a there's a, a menace underlying mm-hmm. to to his performance that I find like really engaging. Um, yeah, I thought. I mean, the big thing in this was that they, uh, yes, like you said, uh, Jackson is kind of going undercover to see if there's anything that I don't remember Brennan Routh's character's name, but if there's anything that he does that crosses the line, because then they could report him, because it has to be by the book. And he based J- Jackson kind of gets set up because um, two of the other characters that have Jackson's back, they meet um, Brandon Ralph's, uh, the, what is it, the original person that he TO'd? Is that what it is? Right, like, yeah, his original rookie. Who's off? Who's also African-American. And the guy, it first seems like we don't know if he's going to help them out or not. And then it turns out he basically is not. loyal to Brandon Ralph. <laughs> yeah, he's completely loyal to Brandon Ralph. And... He's just a character that you know. He's out for himself. He's he's just like, which you know, I when it happened, I was a little like, mm, I was like, how are you gonna pull this off? Like, obviously, in the world we live in, of course, people of any kind of race or background could also be bad, selfish people. Of course, they can. You know, like, um, but with this particular case, dealing with Black Lives Matter and you know systemic racism. It's. It, I was a little nervous because I was like, eh, it's like a little tricky. Like again, I don't, I don't think so. Understand. I think it's valid. I think it is valid. But I was like, I'm not saying that all black cops on this show should be perfect. Of course not. I'm not saying that. I'm like, and I think they did a good job. That it's like, it's not that that character doesn't recognize that he's racist. That the that the Brandon Routh character he does. He recognizes it. But 
frankly, he sees it as not his problem and that he wants to, he wants a promotion. He, he wants to do well. Of course, to me, I think that's disgusting and everything, but I get it. It's like, no, yeah, there are people like that. Of course there are, you know, um, I thought it was really terrific. And then the B, the B story was really um, Nolan's character. It's weird because it's like he's the rookie of the show. The B story is kind of that like um, his mom who's just oh. – at first I think – Libya, you said she was extra. She's terrible. <laughs> like uh, She basically is just a big scam artist and she gets um, the chief's wife, wife involved in this CBD oil thing that is like terrible and – it ends up they have to try to get the money back and everything. But um, that story is like a B story compared to what the, the bigger issues is. But it still works, you know? I mean, like, you really feel for Nolan, whose mother, with her own issues, because she, she has a past where she was raising Nolan alone. She just seems to have this contempt for her son that she doesn't even know his age. Or she knows it, and she does it to get under his skin because she says, like, oh— being a being a cop at forty eight is pathetic, and he's like, "I'm forty six, mom." And didn't you say he? She says it twice. Yeah, she does it twice, which is why I was like, I feel like she, I don't think she's trying to get under her skin. I think she genuinely doesn't know. She doesn't care really? enough about I her feel son. Like it's the kind of thing that a parent can say that would rattle you. No, but like, I really think that she doesn't. She's not. She doesn't care that much about him. She's really about yeah, herself. I mean, you might, you and, might and, be right. And that's the other thing they're trying to show is that Nolan, as much as he loves his mom. He needs to make boundaries to be like, okay, mom, you can't come past this. So he had to basically right. kick her out of his, cause she was coming to visit. And then she basically put like ruined his life, almost got yeah. him fired because she doesn't care about his career. She doesn't care that he's a rookie. She doesn't care that he sacrificed all this time to get to this place. It, none of that matters to her if she can get a couple of dollars. And, right. Which yeah. makes it parallel to, the character in the A story where this guy is just up and coming and he, he also, he doesn't care about the bigger issues. He just wants the promotion. So they're right. both characters in different points in their lives, obviously. But Rookie usually does a pretty good job with that where they have two or three stories, but usually the antagonists of the stories are sort of similar. Not like exactly the same, but enough that you can say, oh, that's kind of what they're dealing with this week. Right. Um, is that people sometimes are really selfish and they don't care, you know, about doing the right thing. But anyways, I know we're talking a long time with it. I think it's been really terrific. I think that the rookie is like people jump on network shows as being really disposable and nowhere near as good as what we think of as quality, you know, cable stuff and everything. But I, I don't know, man, I think the rookie, I think it's been really good. Yeah, so, this season, thumbs- this season, they've, they've like taken a real issue and they've run with it. And I have to say, I want to mention this really quick. The actor who plays Jackson, he came to the writers and he, after Black Lives Matter and he said, if my character's just going to be, you know, just this random cop showing that all cops in L.A. are awesome, he's like, I'm going to have to quit the show. And he challenged the writers to either step up or he was going to leave. And they were like, you know what? I think we're going to try to... You know, and they actually like they came up with this idea and they pitched it to the actor and was like, "Is this good enough? Is this kind of what you were thinking?" And he was like, "Yeah, this is great." And so <laughs> they're actually writing like really legit writing good stories right now, as opposed to like 
the show that we're about to go to, which is <laughs> 911 Lone Star, which is just big set pieces. And and this week we have Lava. Before you move on to that one, I, I don't watch The Rookie, but I just wanted to make a comment because you were talking about Brandon Routh playing a bad guy. And I just wanted to remind people that he actually is pretty good at playing bad guys. He did that back in Chuck. Oh, um, he played an agent who that. was supposed to be, he, he was brought in almost like, you know, like a, a real life Superman kind of thing playing on that character. And then he turned out to be evil and he, he oh. did both incredibly well. So yeah, he's, he's very good at that kind of thing. All right. Well, let's move on. We're going to talk about 911 Lone Star and the big set piece this week is lava. Um, and you're going, what? Yeah. They were like, there's a. A volcano that was asleep in Texas and now it's woken up and there's going to be these pockets of lava that pop up and so they have three or four different locations that erupt in lava and now our firefighters have to go rescue these people and it was it was I will have to say the episode started off ridiculous like you're just like really but they had like these flying chunks of lava or, or hot rocks shooting, and it basically decimated one of the uh, firefighters. Like they were in the middle of this, right. con- yeah. And that was, and then all of a sudden it became serious. I was like, whoa, okay. Well, I think the one thing that th- this episode did that I think they did a pretty good job with is um, they're doing a good job with, even though the character that dies, there's a character that dies that's on the crew. It's not really one of our main favorite characters or anything. Well, I remember him um, from second, from first season. Right, but they do. I think that sometimes I think both nine one one shows um, get very enamored of. They have the spectacle, which I get. Like that's the show. I I totally understand. But they don't really ever want to kill anybody, even if it's like some random person that like we don't know. They usually find a way to save them. And it's good, it's nice to think that that can happen, but in reality, it's like well, but a lot of times people die. And in this episode, a main character, you know, sort of, or a a a, a returning cast member dies. A and then people die. That that one guy at the in the swimming pool. Oh, his skin came off. Oh, oh my god, yeah, that was so that was so bad. So you really see, it's like yeah, people die. So when you get to the lady with the scorpions, which is just outrageous or whatever. I actually was like, oh man, I hope she doesn't die. Because I was like, <laughs> man, it's like, man, they're really killing people in this in this thing. So it does help to do that. Even though, again, this is not, again, like Rookie, or again, not like Rookie. I, I'm not, I don't think there's a lot that I walk away from, from the 911 shows. I just happen to like the cast, you know, yeah. and I like the set pieces. But it was enjoyable. Yeah, I will. Yes, it was a good episode. And it got really serious at the end, and it, it made you feel some stuff. And I was like, "Oh, I feel sad." But it was mainly <laughs> because the rest of the crew were so upset that this guy died. That it was because of that more than that guy himself dying. It was more everyone else's reaction to his death right. that was really sad. Um, I agree. Yeah, but anyway, let's move on. Yeah, it was it was one of their better episodes, even though there was yep. lava flow, flowing all over the place. Next up, we're going to talk about Batwoman, and this was episode two of Batwoman. And this episode, they basically are like, okay, she. this is the moment where Ryan has to decide that her purpose is to wear the suit. Because before, the end of episode one was like she thought she was unworthy and... 
She was on a revenge kick, but she didn't think she was worthy of the suit. And this episode is more about building that story to where she does believe that the suit is her purpose. So what do you guys think? I couldn't get over the plot hole about the kryptonite bullet from week one, which starts at, epi- at the oh, top I of episode about two. That. At the top of episode two. And they don't two, deal with it, it. Yeah. yeah. And by the end of the episode, nah. Yeah, they still haven't <laughs> dealt with it, yeah. I don't just know. forgot I really it was like, there. I really like the actor. I don't think it's a good show. Allison? No, I, I agree. It's it's a, you know, I, I, I like it a little better than last year simply because I do like their new Batwoman. Um, and I think some of the actors who are stranded on this show are, <laughs> are talented people. But I... <laughs> I mean, I used Stranded for a good reason. The writing is terrible. Everything is illogical. I never know when they do something, whether it's because they're making a mistake or, or you know, that they plan to pick it up later. Um, I, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not well done. I mean, and, and the, the wound is, is part of that. It's like, I'm staring at this thing and thinking, okay, so what, is she supposed to, like, be dying of it now or getting superpowers from it now or what is supposed to happen i mean and then they forget about it it's just yeah, never that, was, that is weird well so, peter peter your thoughts because you watched it right you know i totally forgot about the kryptonite thing <laughs> <laughs> so did the writers that like um um my feeling libya and i got in this discussion after i watched it um I'm, yeah i'm not gonna say the show's great or anything. I like her. I definitely think she is a more charming, naturally charismatic presence on the show um, than Ruby wa- Ruby Rose was on the first season. So I do like her. Um, my biggest issue, honestly, is that they, when when they decided we're gonna we're gonna come we're gonna have a new character come in and become a new Batwoman. We're not gonna recast Kate Kane. Once they made that decision. I don't know what the contracts were for these shows, but I have no idea why they didn't basically get rid of half the cast. Like I, I am fine with the sister character and the Fox character because they're both trying to figure out who who is this person? Can we trust her with the suit? I'm like, okay, what does that mean? I'm, I'm down with that. And of course, and I think even Allison would agree Alice is one of the rare CW actresses, the actress who plays um, Alice. She's pretty good. So, like, I don't want to get rid of her. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's a she's a fun actress. She plays that character exactly as it should be. Everyone else, I don't care. I don't care about Ruby Rose's basically former lover. I don't care about the dad. I don't care about then the former lover's blonde girl. Like, I don't care about any of that. And I don't understand if you're basically kind of rebooting the show, I don't understand why these characters are here anymore. Like, it doesn't. It, I feel like you could have introduced better char- new characters and been like, how about these people that are connected to, you know, Ryan's life or something? I, I just don't get that. So to me, that's, that's what's weird about the show. That and makes they sense. kept all the subplots. That's the really weird thing. <laughs> like, it's why? like they kept all the subplots and it's like, what? <laughs> In an alternate reality, Gray Scott would have played Wolverine like he was cast because he wouldn't have broken his his shoulder bone on on Ever After or Mission Impossible 2. 
and he would have had a the career that Hugh Jackman would have had, except for the Broadway stuff. Instead, he's on Batwoman. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if he's as charming as Hugh Jackman. He's he not. Might have been, been that Wolverine might not have worked out as a character as an icon the way I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Like. I kept telling Peter that the, that he the guy playing the dad is actually a much better actor than the part is showing him because oh, they had so they had a flashback where he was like a completely different person in the flashback and I was like oh this guy's awesome why don't we have this guy on the show <laughs> and then they go back to the present and he's terrible again and I'm like uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's the how material it's, it's not yeah the it's how they're writing his character that's yeah. what it is and I'm like. Just write his character better and we'll be fine. You don't need to kick him off the show, Peter. Just improve the writing. But let's wrap that up. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Expanse. And this was episode nine, I believe, nine. season five. And holy One more. crap. Crappers, guys. So uh, Naomi is not having a good day. <laughs> that's an understatement <laughs> so yeah. she's out of food and water and she's about to run out of oxygen because what i didn't realize because i was wondering why she was doing that counter i didn't realize that was a counter to keep track of her oxygen because we were talking yep. about why does she have you know air on this ship and the answer is she doesn't she has whatever air was in the ship when she got there so she is constantly, every time she goes into that airlock to try to mess yep. with the message, she's losing oxygen. And that's why she's doing the counter to keep track of, to try to keep track of that. And then she was scraping off the water. And I was like, this is just bad. <laughs> it's just like everything about the situation is bad. But, and then when she saw that some of her crew were on the way and she could see them on the um, map and see that they were coming, I was like, just blow it. I was, at that point, she's out of oxygen, she's out of food, she's out of water, there's no way to get off the ship. She doesn't have any oxygen to like use her spacesuit to really get to the other ship without communicating to them, because by the time they get close enough for her to like make that jump, the ship's going to blow up. So I was just like, well, just blow the ship up. That way, she sacrifices herself, but she keeps all her friends from dying. And I was, I'm waiting for her to come to that thought as well. Because right now, I don't see how she's getting out of it. Well, I, I was thinking the same thing, you know, and I have not read the book, so I don't know what's coming next. But I was looking at it and thinking, you know, this is how she she dies. She's going to go out a hero by by blowing up the ship um, and saving her friends that way. But by with, with what they were doing at the end, when she was looking at the wiring and the in the helmet and, and everything else, I think that she's come up with some other di other plans. That's that's right. going to to actually save her, and and much like the the thing with with making the marks and working with the uh, the recording, um, we're not being let in on the specifics of it yet, yeah. so we don't know what it's going to be. But um, I, I have a feeling it's not going to to end up with her blowing herself up, no. possibly blowing the ship up when it's strategically near her ex, um, but uh, not 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 killing herself. I don't think. So, well, yeah, because uh, Naomi's one of the best characters, so I agree. Oh, I don't. Really. It would be a waste. Yeah, it'd be it really a waste. Would be. Uh, Tom, you want to talk about drummer storyline? Oh, drummer's awesome. Drummer's awesome, but she's kind of in a box. Yeah, because she, I mean, she's she wants to protect her new crew, and she's loyal to Naomi, but she doesn't want to do anything to jeopardize her crew or herself. 
It's just, I mean, what's funny is Kara G is so unlike Drummer. The actor is so yeah, unlike. Yeah, so weird, yeah. It's kind of like Katie Sackhoff and Starbuck, completely different. I want to talk about Amos and Peaches. Okay, go ahead. Because that was crazy. And I didn't realize this until I watched the after show. That battle sequence is one shot. I didn't realize it either. Really? Wow. Yeah. The battle sequence is one shot. And uh, also, the actor who plays his buddy from Baltimore really doesn't have a left... That He was born with a uh, congenital birth defect. He doesn't have a left hand, so that's not huh. screened or anything. But no, I was totally invested in that storyline of Amos try, them trying to get off the planet and, you know, everything seems to be going not fantastic and, you know, Peaches invites, hey, just, sure, there, we can squeeze one more. In. Well, I, I don't <laughs> mind her taking all the people. I think the mistake was letting those uh, security guards leave. That was a terrible decision because Amos was like, you know they're coming back, right? Like, obviously they're coming back with more force. And that's exactly, and so a bunch of their people died because she was like, oh, let's just be nice and hold hands. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is the end of the world <laughs> survivalist mentality. You have to kill them before they kill before you. they kill you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were in a much better position to take those guys out the first time they encountered them. And but then we wouldn't have her. had that big exciting fight scene at the end. So. I know, but it just feels like that was just such a mistake. Like I have yes. no, I have less respect I, I, for her now. I think part of the thing is that she's really trying to be a better person. I get that. <laughs> and then she had to slaughter all those people. Her fault. Yeah, yeah. So it's the well. I want to be a better person, but if you push me, I mean, it's like Liam Neeson <laughs> in, in any Taken movie, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, at that point, she really screw with me. I would take you out. <laughs> at that point, she really didn't have a choice because they were breaking in through the other entrance, right? And they really would have come in and killed everybody, right? Yep. So, so she had to do what she she did before. But you know, like you said, it was just putting off the inevitable. If they'd all just opened fire, first of all, she wouldn't have had to exhaust herself and do it all herself, you know, the first time. Um, and, and it would have just eliminated the problem to begin with. And, and even though we would have missed out on a great firefight, um, I always have a problem when the plot is advanced forward by people who, especially characters who we've been told are not stupid, doing stupid things. Yes. Um, so. how about a Vasarala? Oh, it's oh. the boss. <laughs> she is such a boss now. And she is literally the boss now, which I really like. Yes. Uh, well, I was, for that I was yeah, because I mean, this guy, he seemed like he wasn't doing a terrible job, but he was just making the wrong moral decision. And I really like that Avasarala was like, you know what, if I'm not trying to take your power or whatever, but if this is what you're doing, I'm not going to be part of it. And then half his people left at this. I was like, look at that. Yeah, that it's was cool. It's refreshing to see a fictitious government where people take a moral stand and do the right thing. <laughs> it's such it's such a fresh look at things. Isn't I, it? I will like, say though, the line was like, let's kill twenty million innocent civilians, and they were like, uh, maybe I can't uh, do that. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe let's not. Yeah. So I think his I mean, he, he doesn't have it. The guy didn't have any experience. He didn't know what he was doing. Nope. And he was just, he, and then the, ironically, when she tells her story about her husband and, and even with that, this is why she's not going to do it. He was like, stop being emotional. I was like, she is literally being not emotional right now. She is telling you my husband was killed in this attack 
and I'm deciding not to kill 20 million innocent people. How is that emotional? Like, revenge. Well, well, that, ex that, that shows you that mansplaining will still exist even centuries <laughs> from today. <laughs> because I was like, dude, you're the one that's actually being emotional. Like, deciding yeah. to kill 20 million people because you're mad that they killed, you know, like, that's the emotional reaction. Her explanation was like, I have a reason to be emotional and I'm not. You know, and wow. I was like, dude, why are you such a jerk? Anyway, but yes, Avasarala is now back in command. Thank you. Yes, um, I'm really looking forward to You know, the, the thing is, you know, when it, when it ended... Um, I was just, I was so frustrated because I was, they used to do 13 episodes and in recent years they've been doing 10 and I, I so wanted to look up on IMDb and, and I was like going, please be 13, please be 13, please be 13. Cause I, I'm, I'm frustrated that we only have one more episode of this. Right. I just, I love the show so much and I'm, I'm, I'm and really next sad. next season is going to be the last season. I know, although, even sadder. Although, to be fair, I, I sneak peeked. There was a time jump between book six and book seven. That's I what mean, I understand. A substantial time jump. So it's good that they gave us a complete, they're going to give us a, a, a fairly complete story. Yeah, the story itself will, uh, and these characters will, will their journey will wrap up in this because from what I understand, the new stuff has different, focuses on different characters in a different period. So that's it, but so even it's a good so, cutting off know. point. All right. Yeah. Well, let's wrap but this even one up. so, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. So much. <laughs> Next up, we're going to talk about Resident Alien, and this was the premiere with oh god, what is his name? Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Thank you. And I watched, and, and it's totally an Alan Tudyk vehicle. Like it's a hundred percent his show, his humor, his charisma. The other characters are just. And literal side characters like they are not important um and if you like i basically would say this if you like alan tudyk you will probably like this show if you're coming to this show for anything other than alan tudyk you might not like this show so i think that's really the criteria like where you land on that and i find him charming i think he's funny um i'm in because i just love him uh what do you guys think well, I'm, I started. Oh, Tom, you go ahead. I liked it. I didn't love it. I mean, you you said it I'm best. not going to say I'm not going to say I loved it, but I'm in. I mean, I'm interested enough to find out what's going on, you know. But go ahead, Tom. I I thought the twist. The, I mean, the the fact that they make him malevolent, you know, fairly malevolent overall, yeah. is is kind of an interesting. It keeps it from being my favorite Martian. Yeah. Meets Norton. He exposure. is literally trying to kill everyone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, the big reveal at the end of the episode is his mission is to is extinction to kill you know to kill the entire planet. So I'm like, I would presume that the trajectory is that he figures out that we're not that bad and he won't do it, or I don't know. Yeah, I figure that's. I don't where it's know going. if I'm gonna be, I'm that invested to stick around because everybody else is so not interesting. But it's just the first yeah. episode, and they spent. I mean, I'm gonna say this as Yusin is that's her motto is the first episode of the pilot is to establish your main character, which I think they did a good job of establishing him. And now you have to have some episodes to establish the side periphery people. Wait, wait, but you're supposed to establish the narrative pattern in the pilot too. And yes. we, and we didn't, and we didn't solve the murder. True. No, and next week's episode, you find out someone else is murdered. So it's now it's like, it's a serial killer. 
Yeah, yep. so it's going to be like a continuing mystery, and I guess what distracts him from looking for ways to kill off the human race in the meantime. He has to solve um, the mystery! Dun-dun! 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 But yeah, the... the you know the thing is, from the time from the moment it started, I knew because he keeps talking about how I wasn't even supposed to step on the planet; it was just supposed to complete my mission. And I, and especially the way they designed the alien to look terrifying, I thought, you know, this is not my favorite Martian. He's come to kill us, and that's what, and and that's exactly where it went to. So it wasn't any big twist for I, me. I, yeah, I don't think and, it was a surprise. Like, I don't know if it was even supposed no. to be a surprise. Yeah, I wasn't surprised by it either. Yeah, and and like Tom said, I think that the trajectory of the show because they already started it in in the first episode when he goes back and saves the woman from from her her husband um is that he comes to care about humans and appreciate their culture and all of that and and decides you know not to to exterminate them or at least put it off or you know and eventually i'm sure there's going to be somewhere down the line of confrontation with his own people who wonder why the planet hasn't blown up yet or whatever um and and it's like that far if, if 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 yeah, if it doesn't get canceled beforehand, but um, the so so there's nothing new in this show whatsoever, at least not so far. And the only reason I tuned in was to see Alan Tudyk because I love him and he's he's really um, incredibly talented and charismatic and funny. And yes, he's great in the in in this part, absolutely. But they're going to have to give me something else besides. Alan Tudyk being Alan Tudyk um, <laughs> to to keep me, you know, watching. I'm I'm going to be tuning in for at least a little while, but I'm I'm hoping that this actually improves and and goes some somewhere. He doesn't age. Oh yeah, no. he looks the same. That's true. He looks yeah. the same. It's like talk about black don't crack. It's like what's this? <laughs> <shit>? <laughs> he's he's another one with a painting in his closet that really looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's move on. Uh, the next up, we're going to talk about Legacies, and this was my last full episode that I worked on Legacies. I have one that I did half the episode, but this was the last full episode I worked on, and I've watched this. If you guys are like, oh, it's kind of sad watching this episode, I watched it at least 20, 30 times because this was the episode that we started in March, or we were almost done with the episode in March, and we only had like three scenes left to do, and then and we, and then COVID hit, and then when we come back, we're waiting for those three scenes to be cut, and oh. then we're, or to be shot, and we keep sending up producers, producers giving us more notes. I've watched this episode more than any episode on Legacies ever, and <laughs> almost every time I watched it, I cried. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was gonna, um, he's really gone. I mean, because yeah. um, because we, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but I had forgotten because it had been so long since they started, since the necromancer killed him last season that you forget that, oh yeah, he should not be coming back the way they were setting it up. And then it's like, oh man, I like that guy. Yeah. So. I kind of cried that it wasn't Landon who died. Oh, <laughs> that's a little shade. That's a little shade. I went there. Yes, I know. I know. I was surprised because, you know, as I we, we mentioned before the, the podcast, they had it looked like they were setting him up for some other kind of uh, storyline with the whole King Arthur, you know, descendant of thing and the sword and all of that. 
and it, it just looked like they were building up to something big and then the next episode and he's dead um so that that was a little sudden um so yeah i, I was kind of wondering about that but well it, to be fair yeah, they said it all season whole... all season they've been having these flashes to him remembering that he was killed so that mm-hmm. happened all last season so they were building up to this and yep. if we had seen the whole season as it should have been uninterrupted it would have fit more you wouldn't have been surprised it would have made more sense, I'm sure. But it, 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 at, at the same time, you know, how many times have people died and come back on this show? It's also true. Or been, been this close to death and then, you know, hope does something to save them. So I, you know, I expected that the same thing would happen here. And instead, she just kind of boxed him into what, to me, would be like the ultimate hell afterlife. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess he likes that kind of thing. So. Well, he was an word. orphan. Yeah, he was an orphan, and getting to spend time with his parents, he thinks is awesome. Wait, you know, check on him in a couple of years and see if he <laughs> if he still feels the same. <laughs> and there's an and there's never a full moon. Yes. Yeah. So he never has to there's turn. That. Yeah. You know, Danielle, I don't think Danielle Rose Russell gets enough credit, but she really grounds this show. She does. And I was watching this new Netflix thing, Jinx or Minx or the thing with the fairies or whatever. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And the lead is a total carbon copy of her, <laughs> but not yeah, as good. she is. Yeah. But not as good. <laughs> so I just want to give a shout out because she's Like a really hope wannabe. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say this, uh, having watched her on the originals that first year, she was she was a brand new actress and she wasn't that good on the originals. But by the time she got to Legacies and she's having to lead a whole cast and be the leader, number one on the call sheet, she totally rose to the occasion. And I think she did a she's she's been doing a great job. She's come to post, trying to learn everything, like all the pieces. And good for her. Yeah, I was really impressed. And she at the time when she came to post, she was nineteen. And, yeah. and wow. she's, she's developed a lot as an actress. Because I think really in her first cause... season she was really sixteen. So she's oh. been, so she is not that much older than the character she's pretending to be. Mm-hmm. And so I was I've been really impressed by her. So Yeah, no, I remember we were discussing when, you know, Legacies was, was being uh talked about that, you know, well, why are we watching Hope? She's not that interesting uh, an actor or or a character and then you know they actually did the show and she really has risen to the occasion she yeah. really really has so i'm, I'm impressed she's she wants to direct give her a better boyfriend yeah that's true too she oh, wants please. to direct so, so she's learning what Ooh, she needs to do to to direct and she the fact that she's 19 and deciding she wants to direct is so impressive to me go girl yeah so <laughs> i'm i'm really just like and I ended up being in the room with her when we were going over like VFX and how they work and blah, blah, blah. And she was asking questions. And I was just like, because she was supposed to be working with my editor, but for some reason he was like with a direct, he was, there was some reason why he wasn't available. And so they stuck her in my bay. And then I was doing something with VFX. And so she started asking me questions about what I was doing. And she's just super nice. So I have nothing but good things to say about her. Yay. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Snowpiercer. And uh, this was <laughs> this was episode 201. <laughs> and the only my only real complaint is they didn't do it previously on. And so I was like, wait, what? Like, what's happening? I don't I don't remember what's going on. And they just start the episode like just where the last one ended. It's like they expected you to 
watch it all together because the second it, it starts off right where the finale of the last season was and I got yep. no previously on and I was like well they did do sort of like that an anime a voiceover animation kind of thing that kind of got you up to speed but it really didn't it really didn't hit all the no. all the notes of what was going on right no. I eventually caught up as I kept watching, but I, at the beginning, I was like, wait, what? Who's where? What's going on? Yeah, I had a little bit of that. But uh, I have to say, um, good Lord, what is his name? The bad guy. Mr. Uh, oh, Sean Bean. 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 Sean, Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Um, the accent he's using, he normally does a little bit more posh. Level. But that's his real accent. I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, he's just like screw it. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna do <laughs> my accent." Even though he's playing like a super rich jerk, instead of bringing his accent up to the level of of the character he's playing, he's like, "Nah, I'm just, I'm not." Um, but it actually makes his character more menacing, which is probably why he did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and question. Is he the father of that girl? Because she was very much like, I wanted to keep her away from him. And the way she said it made me think that there was some reason that she wanted, because we don't know who her, who the kid's father is. Do we? I don't think that that's been mentioned, but I don't think that he's actually the father. I I think that, um, well, he talks about the fact that he's known her since she was 17 so mm-hmm. it led me to believe that maybe he is. Mm, it's I don't know. They could do that twist. They certainly didn't do anything to cast an actress who looked remote, remotely like him. But, um, yeah. but you know, I mean, maybe. But I think the main thing, at least that I was going on, is that he. I mean, and he strikes me as the sort of person who would use the kid as leverage to, yes, to keep her in line. So that's yeah. why she wanted to to have the her daughter as far away from him as possible so that when it, when she finally pulled her move to to get rid of uh, Wilfred she was she would just you know get her daughter and and bring her with her and and that didn't turn out quite yes. the way she expected so um yeah <laughs> so and, and and they still haven't explained exactly i mean the 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 grandparents refused to go but we haven't found out exactly why uh the daughter ended up with Wilford yet. So that should be an interesting story. But I love the choice of, of Sean Bean in this part because he can play the hell out of it. Um, oh, yeah. He's totally camping it up. Yeah. He really is in just totally enjoying this role. And, and he's, he brings the kind of menace to it. Like you said, he's using more a uh, working class accent. So he gives you the idea that, you know, however he made his money, he wasn't born into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, and there's a ruthlessness that, that, that kind of gives you an, uh, a feeling of that, you know, somehow he had to backbite and stab and do whatever he needed to do to get that kind of money in the first place. And so he's a, he's a genuine threat. Um, he's, he's sort of, he's sort of like if, if, if Trump had brains, um, <laughs> That's a big and, and, and actual good looks, uh, the, you know, he, he might be Wilford. So, um, yeah, that, all of that stuff was great to me. And, and one thing that I love too, this little touch, um, the head of hospitality, well now head of hospitality, uh, on, on the, the show, 
um, who's so mad for Wilford Ruth. and treats him like a god and, and goes on about how he... Uh, the, um, I'm blanking on the name, name of the actress. Ruth. The Ruth. character's name okay, is thank Ruth. You. Yeah, Martha um, from the yeah. Americans. Right, exactly. Um, and, and she is just absolutely... Her world revolves around Wilford. And he doesn't even remember who she is or that she exists. Absolutely. And that... That was a great touch. I loved. I loved that they did that, and I. I can't wait until her character finds out. Um, but yeah, all of. Uh, I don't know. I. I thought there there was tremendous tension. Um, the only thing that struck a weird note for me about the show was this introduction of a character who looks like uh, a runaway from Mad Max. Who, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the guy that can withstand the cold. But I figure yeah, he. They explain him because the doctors. When we meet the doctors that are treating her for. Uh, for frostbite, oh, mad yeah, yeah, they they talk about all the experiments that they did. They uh, he's obviously an experiment, and why wouldn't you try to figure out a way for humans to be able to survive in colder temperatures? Cold. Yeah, so, I mean they've got just basically Doctor and Mrs. Mengele on board, so right. that's why we've got this guy. But is he still when he first came out? It was like, wait, what movie did he step out of? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I, I had this weird deja vu because you've got bickering parents and a separated child and they gender flipped. It's like, uh, are we watching The Expanse or Snowpiercer? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously the daughter is this the daughter is like a different character and she might be salvageable. But man, my issue is it's almost like, okay, what we did last season, we're gonna do again. But bigger stakes because it's Sean Bean is the bad guy and there's more cars and he's got his own people. It's like, uh, I don't know. I'm not sold. Uh, just. But I, I like it, the fact that she sabotaged. She knew oh, him no. well enough to know that he would want to separate the cars. And she knew the mechanisms well enough to figure out a way to sabotage him for doing that. And I was like, look at you being smart. Yeah. I wish they had spent more time last year making her a little bit more dimensional because she spends yeah. so much of the season as I'm evil, I'm evil, I'm evil. It's like, honey, you're the Rocketeer's girlfriend. You're not that evil. But <laughs> because now she's in the lesser of two evils, you know, David Diggs needs to, you know, continue his alliance with her. But I don't know. Well, the thing is that the, 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 other thing that, that annoyed me is that, yes, they played her as so much the villain last year. I mean, they gave hints that there was more to her than that. But they, she, I mean, she killed one of the main heroines of, of mm -hmm. you know, in last, in last season. And, and it's really hard to bring a character back from that. And yet in this season, it's like, let's forget about all yeah, of that. Yeah, all of it's gone. She's the, yeah. she is the hero now. Yeah. And and we're supposed to just 100% root for her. And the thing is, I, I could see rooting for her more now because there's a bigger threat, but we still have to remember that she's not all sunshine and light either. Right. And, 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 they, and, should, and they should have laid in last season that as bad as she is, there could be worse. Right. Well, so let's it's, wrap... it's almost like they're retconning their own show. Yes. <laughs> let's wrap that up. Let's move on. Um, I realize we haven't talked about the finale of Lupin. Uh, we talked about three through four, but we did not talk about five. And the most that I have to say about five is what the heck? Why are we ending on a cliffhanger? Like, and it's not even, 
it's not even like your general cliffhanger, this is the end of the season cliffhanger. It's more like, oh, we forgot to give you the other half of the episode cliffhanger. Because um, it literally start, stops, it feels like it stops in the middle of an episode. And I was like, what the heck is this? I was not happy with the last episode of Lupin at all. I had the feeling it was going to do that because if you look at how their uh, set, how how the season is phrased um, in in Netflix, it's called Part One, not yes, Season One. I it's get called that part, part One. Yes, I get that, but it still feels like like that's not the way you end this. That's not where you break a show. It was a yeah, terrible no, I place agree. to break the show. I agree. I, I'm hoping that, that part two hurries up and gets on TV <laughs> real quickly because yes, it, it, it ended in a bad place for me. But um but yeah, I was I, I honestly was expecting it was going to uh, there was gonna be a cliffhanger, there was gonna it was it was gonna end I in the middle of nowhere. Cl- yeah, I expected a cliffhanger, I just didn't expect what we got, which is okay, the whole thing is that it's the son's birthday. And Lupin decides he's going to do something for his son and try to forget about the woman that died for him. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to, I can't forget my son's birthday. I'm going to do something special. And yet he's got an assassin trying to kill him the entire episode. And I kept thinking, this guy's not a very good assassin. First of all, you're chasing a dude. Lupin as a character, that dude's like 6'6", 250 pounds. He's a really big guy. And why are you chasing this really big dude into like back alleys and parking garages? I was like, you're a terrible assassin. Yeah. Or and even they, better onto trains where, you know, you're, you're, you can't just shoot him in front of everybody. Right. You know, that's not going to happen. And he's even been given orders that he can't hurt the, the mother and son, which obviously he's now going against, but, um, or at least he's, well, that's I, because I don't know. he's realized he can't take this guy. That's which is it. like, which is why I'm saying he's a terrible assassin. So, like, when they actually get in a fight, he loses because the dude's six foot six and weighs 250 pounds. So he loses the fight. What I was mad about with Lupin, I was like, dude, finish him. What are you doing? Why are you leaving him alive? Your, your family is in danger. You're on a train, locking him in the cart. What makes you think he can't pick the lock? Like, what are you doing? So I was frustrated with Lupin in the couple of times he had an advantage over this guy, knowing this dude was trying to legit kill him. He never killed the guy. And yeah. well, the same thing with letting his kid wander away without being, you know, in in eye shot. Um, I, I mean, yes, his, he, he figures that he got the kid, the guy arrested, but he also knows that the only reason he's after him is because he there are there are, are people or a person with with a lot of money and connections who can do any pull any string they want. And so of course he's, he's released from prison, like, you know, within an hour. Right. Um, But the other thing is his refusal to tell his ex-wife what's going on and how much danger he's in is also ridiculous. Once that assassin showed up on the train and sat next to them, that's when you need to tell people what the heck is going on. Um, yeah, that I, I had a lot of problems because now their son is 100% in danger. What are you going to do? Like, yeah, he's he's a good thief, but that doesn't make him a good fighter. Like all I just yeah, I had a lot of problems with this episode. 
Normally, all the other episodes of Lupin, I think, are fantastic, but I think they fell on their face a little bit on this one. In theory, the second part could fix some of the things that I have problems with the I'm, first I'm part. I'm pretty sure it will. But yeah, the, you know, the thing is, I think they felt that they needed to have some kind of cliffhanger thing that to, to build toward. And so they got sloppy in, in the way that they did it. I still think, you know, I had fun watching the episode. It, it, it you know, succumbed to stupiditis in, in too many places. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that they'll fix that by, by, episode, by the time it picks up again. But, yeah, they got a little sloppy there. All right, let's wrap that one up. That was not the best episode that I've been... But I, overall, you should definitely watch Lupin. It's fantastic. Maybe wait till part two comes out. I don't know. But, yeah, it's a very good show. All right, next up, we're going to talk about WandaVision. And this was episode four. And this is like, finally, we interrupt your That's program. This- this program yep. yeah uh finally this feels like a marvel show this feels like it has weight to it i love that it starts off with everybody coming back from the snap which serves two purposes from the blip. sorry whatever the blip. snap blip uh it serves two purposes of letting you know where you are in the timeline and it also gives you a really good idea of a, of uh, Monica's mindset, where she's coming from. And I actually want to start with Peter, because you haven't talked in a while. Um, I want to know what you... And you watched episode three and four back-to-back. So I was wondering, what did you think? I watched them last night. Um, I've really enjoyed this show. I have a friend of mine who's very frustrated by the whole thing. He just doesn't... He, he just finds it very tedious, and I, I, I think he doesn't appreciate the the whole like you know 50 sitcom 60 sitcom 70 sitcom i mean i really like that also i love sitcoms and i think the whole cast is doing a terrific job but of course you know as much as i like it i mean i understand that the first three episodes are essentially you know the mcu version of doing riffs on classic american sitcoms with a really strong cast but they haven't really done much to to like tell us what's going on and how this connects to what's happening. So episode four, we interrupt this program. I thought that felt about right. Fourth episode. I was like, yeah, that's about like patience wise. I think we're ready. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I it did not even I figured it would be connected to the the you know the the whole universe, but I didn't think, which is what's really cool, is that we actually see when I guess it's when the blip, when people come back, right? right. Five years yeah. later. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was great that uh, the woman we're following is. Monica. Right. So she's Carol Danvers' friend's daughter, who we saw as a kid <laughs> yes. in Captain Marvel, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was really good. I like learning about S.W.O.R.D. Love seeing Raymond Park from the Ant-Man movies. Like he's, he's a fed. So he comes back and I thought it was really cool. And in fact, I liked it so much, the fourth episode, and then I'll open this up to everybody that, you know, I actually really like, um, age of Ultron. I know that, I mean, I basically, my favorite MCU movies are usually the, the big, the big ones, like the Avenger movies. And so right after the fourth episode, uh, my girlfriend and I put Ultron on and I watched like the whole thing. Cause basically I was kind of curious. I wanted to see how Wanda, uses her her like mind thing so essentially it looks like 
what we know of Wanda is that she can get in your head and give you an alternate reality of things or make you sad or happy or whatever. So basically she's doing it to, it, it seems like she's basically doing it to herself. And so any, well, it's not just can, herself. She's doing it to an entire community. No, no. Yeah. Yes. Westview. That, that's true. You're right. Um, but I guess that's what I find so fascinating. And I, that moment when, you know, near the end of the episode, uh, wait, I think it's this episode i'm sorry i watched three and four but the moment we see vision dead right like there's this thing where it's like it's pretty harrowing because i really like um bentley i loved him as jarvis and now is like the voice and i was bentley and it, it is like i absolutely get the pain that she's dealing with and it's like well yeah why would why wouldn't you live in this sitcom life you know but you are right she is harming all these other people and everything. Also, great use of, uh, even though I don't always love her, the the Cat uh, Denning from Thor. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. pretty good that it's like she's the person that's been watching and she's the one who gets them to get the old TV sets and everything. So I really enjoyed it. I, I can't wait to see what the next episode is. I thought, it, I thought this came at just the right time. That was my feeling. All right. Who's up next? I... I... Loved it. I thought it was terrific, but I've I've been enjoying this from the very beginning. I know that this this particular series has turned out to be um, weirdly polarizing for a lot of people. You either really love it or you can't connect to it at all. And uh, I think you know for for some people who who lean especially toward the uh, the latter, this episode like salvaged the series for them. It's like finally we know what's going on. For me. I loved this episode, but I was content watching, you know, all the the three that came before it. So it was like, okay, now now we get the explanation. That's great. That's terrific. But it wasn't like, finally, I know what's going on. Um, it just seemed paced really well for me, and it's it, it was like everything's been been doled out exactly at the right times, and uh, so it was nice finally getting to see what all of this looks like from the outside. You know, the people who are not affected by this, what is actually going on and how they're dealing with it. And I I loved also seeing people's reactions after they started coming back from from the blip. Because there's this, you know, insanity going on. This, you know, people don't know where they are or where other people are. Um, You know, Monica is is, is looking for her mother, who as far as she knows went in for a successful operation. She should be right there. And she's told that she died two years ago. And and the, there's just got to be this incredible psychological trauma that people go through. Of course, they're not showing the, the real carnage that would also go through for people who were like in airplanes and cars and elevator shafts when they got <laughs> uh, blipped away and then returned to the same spot, um, which would be awkward. Um, but, uh, but still they give an idea that it wasn't easy coming back. It wasn't all happiness and sunshine. People were scared and and confused. And so I, I thought that that was a really nice thing to, to add, but, um, having, showing what was kind of edited out from the previous week of Wanda's reaction to Monica and, and her pulling herself back into her delusion again. And that vision of vision um, dead was was really effective. It was really you, you you understand why she's doing this to herself because this is a reality that she's just 
not capable of dealing with. The unfortunate thing is that she's sucking in other people who have nothing to do with it. Right. Tom, your thoughts? Yeah, the sad thing is, and I want to pick up on what Peter was saying a little bit, is good grief, people. I mean, we had all these famous people dissing the Marvel movies. And, oh, they're all the same, blah, 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 blah. I hate them. And, you know, prominent directors, whatnot. And then they take a big swing and do something really interesting and creative and fun. And then all you get these entitled fans, I don't like it. I don't get it. It's like, oh, wait, just watch it. For <laughs> this doesn't feel like a Marvel show. Right. something. <laughs> but one of the innovations MCU has done since, since, um, since the second wave is experimenting with genre. And this is yeah. as the first official start of, of phase four, this is a really big swing and it's interesting and it's well-produced and be patient. We, you know, do you just want, if you want meat and potatoes, we got Falcon and winter soldier coming in, you know, in March and I love Falcon and Winter Soldier, but it'll be pretty much exactly what we think it's going to be, which is right. fine. Yeah. But let them have some fun and not just cookie cutter everything. Evans. Oh, I totally, I totally agree. I just, I, I have a friend of mine who um, just had an email chain, and he just really, he just felt this, he just felt this whole thing was so pointless, and he was just like, I don't understand why are we doing this? Why are they just aping? And I was like, well, I'm like, it's really weird, man. I'm like, I'm not, like, I understand. If you're watching, you know, a show, I can't think of something right now. I don't know, Breaking Bad or something like something where it's like this is a, this is a very concrete seasonal arc, and here's all these things going on, and it's all intricate. I totally get that and stuff. But but I will I'll echo what Allison said. I honest, even though I think the fourth episode comes at the right time, I was really enjoying the first three episodes because I like the cast, and yeah, I love sitcoms, so I loved seeing them ape the styles of different of um different eras i was just really enjoying myself i wasn't being like i'm not sure how does this connect and is tony stark going to show up like like i didn't well i mean that's impossible but but like that doesn't bother me i don't really get that mindset that some of these mcu fans have it just it just feels like why not enjoy and like you said tom it's totally a fresh different thing falcon and winter snowman i hope is good but I'm pretty sure I know what I'm getting with that. This, I was like, I have no idea what this is going to be. So I think that's, just, I don't know, it just seems like such a, it seems really good. And it's, and I think it's very well done. Yeah. yeah. I think that this, you know, this and Loki are the two things that I was really excited to see because both of them look like huge departures from, yep. from what the norm is and where they've got fun and experimental. And so I'm, I'm in for the ride for this. Yep. I, I'm not as excited about Loki because, dude, that guy should be dead 20 times. So... <laughs> they, they, they plucked you him out of the time stream. I know what so. happened. I'm just over him as a villain. Oh, but Livia, over Tom Hiddleston? No Tom one can get yeah. yeah, I'm not one of those people. I believe okay. in storytelling. Well, no, my thing is, I'm not a anti Tom Hiddleston, but I, I think he was a great villain for like one or two movies. Now let's move on. Let's move to the next villain. I don't need him forever. And that's my frustration is that they won't. And they fake kill him like 50 times. I'm like, if you're going to keep him, fine. Don't fake kill him a bunch of times. And then be like, oh, surprise, he's alive. But he's, he's the trickster god. He's the trickster no, god. no, no, no. 
Yes. Just yes. Over yes. Him. yes. I'm so over him. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's wrap this up. If you have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Listen to on getthepointfredo.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye. Bye.